Hey everyone, welcome to the Blessed Hope Podcast. I'm your host, JL, and today we're doing part two in our three-part series, Who I Am. So with that said, let's jump on into it and find out who this God really is. And yes, this is the Blessed Hope Podcast. I'm your host, JL. I'm very excited about today's episode. We are going over our second part in our three-part series of Who I Am. This entire series is all about defining who God is. It's not an exhaustive list, but it is definitely a list that going over how his consistency of who he is. But let's pump the brakes before we get into anything else. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Welcome. We're super excited that you're here. We hope you stick around. We hope you listen. Go back and listen to, uh, we have so many different episodes out right now, going over from the armor of God to current affairs updates. We've got the whole thing. So please go back and check it out. We really think you will enjoy it. However, if this is not your first time and you have been with us going throughout, I want to welcome you as well. Thank you for staying with us. Thank you for sticking with us through our first season. We're coming up into, we got one more episode, guys, and then we're done with this season. Then the first season's over. How cool is that? But we are wanting in with a bang, and that's why we're doing this Who I Am series. The, what this Who I Am series is really all about is going over who God is. And there are so many people out there who claim that God is different in the Old Testament than the New Testament. And we're finding out that, no, he's, he's really not. The, the God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament, the God of today are all the same God. He loves you as much as he loves the individual back in those times. It, it, it's all the same. How cool is that? But with that said, I really just want to go over one quick thing that was, I, I had been thinking about it from last time and it's been bothering me and bothering me and bothering me. So I, I want to just kind of lay it out there to y'all and hopefully kind of just pour out my heart for a quick second regarding episode one or, or part one of this three-part series that we're doing of the Who I Am. There is so much to discuss about God. I, Our God is so amazing, yet his holy word, his scripture, his, his this bread that he has given us is so amazing that he has decided to reveal himself partly through the word. And I'm, I'm so blessed for it. But I'm also, there's, it is a pain and a burden. I don't know how to be able to explain it all in so much, in, in such a little time frame. So if you believe or you think that like John like you or JL, like you miss so much, then yeah, I, I know there's so much that we couldn't even talk about. There's so much about God that we we have missed in the Old Testament that we just don't have the time for. And the unique thing is we each can do our own Bible study, our daily Bible study, which you know here on the Blessed Hope Podcast, we are always about it. So I'm telling you right now, go, go read all the different books. I, I've been going through the book of Haggai and it's for such a small book, it packs a punch. The last three verses in chapter two, I'm still just, just blown away by it. So, but please go open your book, your word uh, that God has given us his word. That is, can be your word to, to, to read and look at and meditate on. And you can see how much that he loves you. And that's what we're all about here at the Blessed Hope Podcast. So 
if it is your first time listening, we're all about encouraging, strengthening, and getting the believer to know that our time is short here, so we need to stay focused on what is the biggest picture, and that is Jesus Christ. He's our blessed hope. Uh, going back to the book of Titus, what we've preached on and preached on and preached on for the last couple episodes has been, over this whole season, has been that. So, with that said, let's jump into part two of who I am, and let's just find out who Jesus really is. And with that, let's go. And I want to jump right into it. However, I do want to give you guys a quick little disclaimer. I know I kind of just mentioned it, mentioned it yet we, we need to kind of discuss it a little bit more. There is... So much in the New Testament describing God. I mean, Jesus' own words. Then you have Paul's and Peter's and, and John. And, and, and there's just so much. And, and, and it's impossible to be able to pick what to, do, to, to look at to describe who our God is. So I, I, I struggled. I really, really struggled on this. I thought I struggled with the first episode, but this one was even worse. And I got to a point that I just didn't know what I was going to say. And then I stumbled across this quote. And so I'm gonna, it, it sums it up perfectly. And so I want to read this quote to you. And this is really how I'm taking this episode. So here we go. How hard pressed we find ourselves when we attempt to define Jesus Christ when such adequacy is only found in the Holy Word. Yet, in quickly passing with a stranger or a friend, what do we decide to tell them? Do we tell them he is God in the flesh, or the only way for salvation, or even bullet out his marvelous achievements within his life? Do we discuss how he is coming back, or that his spirit lives inside the saved man? I dare not pick. I dare not attempt to define what only his living word can define. Thus, in passing of a stranger or a friend who might ask the almost important question, I would be tempted to say something rash, something quickly, and something that would define my limitations as a mortal man. Nevertheless, as I write this, I am reminded that his spirit does live in me. As a saved man who has been washed in Jesus' sacrifice and who is now living due to his resurrection, I would tell the stranger or the friend, what the Spirit would tell me to say. Nothing more, nothing less. I, that's it, guys, right there. This entire episode is based off of that. It is not anything completely giving what the Lord is. It's not anything less than what He is. This is what I am just giving out to you. To show you that our God is the same as he was and is. And I know last week was all Old Testament. And this week was supposed to be all New Testament. Yet I do. There's one Old Testament verse. I just got to throw it in there right now. That's Malachi chapter 3 verse 6. For I the Lord do not change. Therefore you O sons of Jacob are not consumed. The Lord does not change. Jumping right on into that, we could see a very similar quote in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who was and is and is to come, the Almighty. 
amen to that, to who have been there, John. I mean, think about it. This is a guy who, he was close to God. I mean, he was close to him. And, 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 and he walked with Jesus for three years. And he, he was there following him around. He he was the one who would lay his head in his lap. I mean, this man was a boy at the time. He he, he saw him on the cross. He, he was there throughout everything. And then to be old, to be sitting there on that island and to have the alpha and the omega. I mean, he must have been like, whoa, this is, this is Christ? Yeah, he was so humble. And when last I saw him and now I see him, I'm there must have been a flashback of the partial revealing when they were on the mountaintop and Moses and Elijah were there and, and there's Peter, John, and James and Jesus was partially revealing himself to them. There, there must have been a flashback to there just a quick second. But today is all about us understanding that our God, and I, I should say Jesus, is the same in the Old Testament as in the New Testament. And we can see that due to Christ was there beforehand. And today we're not just talking about his consistency, but we're also showing the differences in Christ. In the, and, and what I mean by that, the difference is the difference is what the world says he is. So you would hear he's a religious man. He's a man who, who he, he, he had his limitations though. And yet we're going, no, 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 he didn't. No, he didn't. And we're going to go, we're going to see that today, that he was God. Like his consistency in the Old Testament of being this all superpower being, it's the same in the New Testament. So we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 1. And this chapter is all about describing God, Jesus, coming down and humbling himself to be man. And so we are, let's just jump into it. God, after he spoke, and I remind you everyone, this is Hebrews chapter 1. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in the last days spoke, has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high having become as much better than the angels as he has, has inherited a more excellent name than they. Pause there. Whew, we got a lot. Oh man, we got a lot. And he, or verse three, and he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. And when he made purification of his sins, he's, uh, of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So he's the exact representation of God the Father. So we see that Jesus is the exact representation in bodily form of God the Father. We can see that he has the power. He holds it all. He's got it all. He owns all the cards, table, chairs. He's got the whole thing. As the old saying goes, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Well, he also owns, owns the hills. Verse 5. For to which of the angels did he ever say this? Okay, and I'm just wanting you to understand, many people have said that, oh, he was a good angel, or he was something of that nature. And I'm going to here to tell you right now, nonsense. He wasn't an angel. 
He was the son of God. He was God-man and is still God-man and is still the son of God. Verse 5. For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. And when he again brings a firstborn into the world, he says, And let all the angels of God worship him. And the angels, he says, Who makes his angels winds, and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain, and they will all will become old like a garment, and like a mantle you will roll them up. Like a garment they will also be changed, but you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? The answer is never. There's only been one, and that's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Trinity in one. And it's the perfection, and it was represented through Jesus Christ. Um, guys, don't ever let someone tell you that the... Jesus is so much loving and kind and just way nicer than God the Father in the Old Testament because it's not true. God the Father, God the Son, we're all the same. And not just that, but Jesus says it. He says it. And so let's go to that. Mark chapter 14, we're going to read verses 60 through 63. Mark chapter 14. Verses 60 through 63. This is so if anyone is ever telling you, oh, they're not the same. Well, we have that conversation and Jesus answers it for us. So let's do it. Verse 60. The high priest stood up and came forward and questioned Jesus saying, do you not answer? What is it that these men are testifying against you? But he kept silent, did not answer. Again, the high priest was questioning him and saying to him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed one? And Jesus said, I am. And you shall see the son of man sitting at the right hand of power, coming with the clouds of heaven. Tearing his clothes, the high priest said, what further need do we have of witnesses? So to kind of give you a um, clarification what's going on, this is the illegal trial of Jesus that the high priest, the Sanhedrin were doing. And they needed witnesses. So they have these people up here saying all this nonsense. And yep, the one thing that everyone is agreeing on is, well, this guy is claiming to be God. And so they ask him one more time. And what does the high priest ask? He goes, are you the Christ, son of the blessed one? So basically he's saying, are you the Messiah, the son of God? And Jesus answers, I am. And you shall see the son of man sitting in the right hand of power, coming with clouds of, of heaven. Guys, gals, that's that's a statement right there. That's Jesus saying, I am. It's the same name that was given to Moses in the burning flame. It's the same name given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's the same name given through to Adam and Eve and Enoch and Elijah or Enoch and Noah. It's the same name given through David. It's the same name given through fill in the blank. 
That's the coolest thing about it. It's the same God. Now, if if you and if you if you question that, well, we can keep going. We're we're, we're, we're going to see that God isn't just about about that, but He's also he, he has ways of showing it. So, Matthew chapter twenty eight, we see that here that. A lot of people like to look at this going, oh, this is the Great Commissioning. Well, this is also Jesus showing his authority as God the Father, but as the Son. Go therefore, or this is Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. So he has given them, all authority had been given to him. All authority. And yet you see that he has decided to represent that to them. Going, I'm commissioning you to go out. Only person could do that is someone who has the authority to. And as we can see from right here, Jesus Christ had that authority. How cool is that? But there there are times that people are going to be confused about this. And I, I know this is a kind of a cheesy way of leading into it, but if you get questions, that's what we're here for. So real quick, let's jump into how you, if you got questions where, how you can get a hold of us so we can help you out with that. Remember, if you ever want to reach out to the Blessed Hope Podcast, you can. All you have to do is email the Blessed Hope Podcast at gmail.com, the Blessed Hope Podcast at gmail.com. This is your area to send us comments, concerns, questions, or maybe you just want to say hi. You can also follow us on Twitter for daily updates at John Luke T, at John Luke T. And with that said, let's get back to the episode. And that is how you can get a hold of us. But seriously, if you, if you guys ever need to get out there and you have questions for us, that's that's the best way to get a hold of us right there. Blessed Hope Podcast at gmail.com and on Twitter at John Luke T at John Luke T. Yet, there are people out here who will, back to what we were talking about in Matthew chapter 28, that they will say that Jesus didn't have that authority to do that. And I'm here to say, oh, yes, he did. And we're going to find out that he does. Why? Because he is making claims that only God could do. And let's find out some of those claims. John chapter 6, verses 35 through 37. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will no, will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. Period. You might be wondering, what does that have to do with what we just talked about in Matthew? And I'm here to tell you it has a lot. If you are doubting his authority to commission out and to be able to send out because only God the Father can, I'm here to say, well, right here we see that he has the capability to be able to hold in all who he wants. And if he has that capacity, he has the capacity to send out with his power and authority those who he deems fit. Our God has the capacity to hold whom he wants and to send who he wants to bring in more into the fold. That is the power that our God has. 
John chapter 7, verses 37 through 38, we, may, we see a very similar claim. John chapter 7. Now on the last days, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. What we see right here, guys, is he's also saying that not just as we saw in John chapter 6, saying that they'll hunger, never hunger again, they'll, they'll never thirst again, that I am the living water. I will give them that what which what they desire in, in that eternal life. And we see that it's as the scripture says. So there are two things here to take away. Number one, that not only does he have the authority to be able to do what he wants, but he has the authority to give life to whom he wants. And that if someone comes asking for life and wants to be saved, he will take them in and they will never be lost. But the second reason, and the second thing we could take away from all this is the scripture says it. The word of God points to this authority as the scripture said. That's big. Many people miss that part. It's as the scripture said. So he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from the innermost being will flow rivers of living water. If you want to translate that into modern folk talk, we would say, he who believes in Jesus, as the Bible says, will from his spirit will be alive and there will be flowing of living eternal water wherein he'll have eternal life. I mean, that's pretty much John 3.16 right there. But we've, we've got more. We can see that God the Father equates that the God the Son is His and they are the same and who that they they work together. John 6 chapter or John verse or chapter 6 verse 29. Jesus answered, answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. Well, we know that he was sent by God the Father. When they asked and they said that when the disciples, I'm quoting from memory here, but when the disciples were like, we want to see God the Father, and Jesus looks at them and says, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen God the Father. Guys, gals, the work of God was perfected in Jesus Christ. He is the, the uttermost. So everything you see in the Old Testament, it's all pointing towards Christ. The New Testament is pointing back to Christ. That's what it's all about. Next week, we're going to see the ramifications of Christ in the Old Testament, New Testament, and in what it did to change man. And you're going to see how the coming Christ, who is coming one day, oh, how sweet it will be, how sweet it will be. But this authority, going, I digress, this authority that we're talking about here. We can see that God the Father loves us and that he completely continues that love into the New Testament. So thinking that, that oh, God the Father in the Old Testament is this harsh, mean God, and yet the God of the, the New Testament, oh, the Son is so nice and calm and sweet. No, 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 no. Who sent him? God the Father sent him. It's the same God. The, 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 nothing's changed. Nothing's changed here, guys. John chapter 5, 
Now we're going to look at this. John chapter 5, verses 33 through 36. You have sent John, and he has testified the truth. But the testimony which I receive is not from man. But I say these things so that you may be saved. He was the lamp that was burning and was shining, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony which I have is greater than the testimony of John. For the works which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do testify about me, that the Father has sent me. Drop the mic. God the Father from the Old Testament loves us so much that he has sent the God the Son in the New Testament, which was the same in the Old Testament, to love us. The love continues there is nothing changing. Go back to the last episode and all you have to do is hear about the shepherd. All you have to do is hear about this God who was willing to do anything it took to be able to get that across to us. That does not mean that we change. That does not mean that... That does not mean that we change in how we view God. But it means that we can see the change that he does in us. There are many people out here who will fake Christianity and fake the change. They will fake into a religion. There are many, many religious people out there who will fake it to get it. And they'll fake it till you make it type of thing. And I'm here to tell you that doesn't work. A.W. Tozer has a great comment about this. 100 religious persons knit into a unity by careful organization, do not constitute a church any more than 11 dead men make a football team. I want to repeat that. 100 religious persons knitted into a unity by careful organization do not constitute a church any more than 11 dead men make a football team. So back to what I was saying with John. God the Father had sent him. God the Father and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one. Yet, as we're going to find out, you can't fake it. You got to have him. You got to have the Old Testament God with the New Testament God. They're the same. They are the same. Many people question that. But and that's one of the unique things that we see here in the New Testament. God is, he's busting up things that sometimes people think like, oh, well, the Old Testament, he didn't do this. And well, yes, he did. But we're finding out here in the New Testament that God the Father is all about, he's ripping up religious stuff. So if you think you're religious, well, hey, that's great. You you go be religious. It ain't going to get you to heaven. We can see that Jesus was not about being religious. He was in charge of it all. He, you know, he, he didn't care about your actions in, in, in regarding to how holier than thou you thought you were. Oh, being a good person. Well, whoop de do. Same as the Old Testament, same as the New Testament. Matthew chapter 12. And before we jump into this, I just want to point out one quick thing. That the Sabbath, I'm not arguing for or against Saturday or Sunday worship. All I'm talking about is do not let traditions get a hold of the facts of Jesus of God. Don't be swayed to be in arguments over something that you believe one person is saying or another. So that's the only warning I'm going to give to that as we keep moving forward. 
But Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields at the, uh, on the Sabbath, and his disciples became hungry and began to pick at the heads of grain and eat. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples do what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, Have you not read that what David did when he became hungry? He and his companions, how he entered the house of God, and they ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those with him, but for the priests alone. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests of the temple break the Sabbath and are innocent? But I say to you that something greater than the temple is here. But if you had known what this means, I desire compassion and not a sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. Okay. So we need to make sure, I really need to make sure, and we're going to stay here for a moment. There's there's an interesting part here. This is Old Testament meets New Testament. Bam, out of head. People might be saying, well, the Old Covenant's over and the New Covenant's going to begin and all that. And that's true. The Old Covenant is going to be over. Uh, during this time, Jesus is fulfilling the Old Covenant, fulfilling the law, and, and the New Covenant's going to take over. However, something very interesting here that we need to discuss, and that is Jesus does not care about religiosity. He doesn't care about it. The same thing goes, I mean, we're, let's go back to the oldest story we have of God, Jesus not caring about religious, religi religiosity, Cain and Abel. Cain gave up a sacrifice and yet God knew, no, this isn't, this doesn't do it. It's got to be. A lamb. It's got to be the blood. It's you, death has to happen, and yet, same thing here. We see that God is cutting right through to the heart of the religious, and He's going. You guys aren't getting it, and and while they are regarding two different aspects, it's the same principle. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are the same in the beginning and in the end. In the beginning of the. Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament here, we see the same. God, he's cutting through the religiosity and he's showing the heart and the, the, the lesson that needs to be learned. But we see Jesus is going to do it even more. So if you're even going, okay, hey, jail, you might, you're pulling at strings here. I don't, I don't see it. Well, hold on, hold your horses, pump the brakes, check the signals. Here we go. I'm going to give you more evidence that Jesus was doing just that. Mark chapter 12, and he, or, and this is verses 41 through 44. And he sat down opposite of the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. And many rich people were putting in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. Calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury, for they all put in out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty put in all she owned, all she had to live on. Guys, gals, this is he is cutting right at the heart once again. He knows what people are thinking, he knows what the actions of the people around them. I mean, go back to, I believe it's Joshua. I'm going to, I got my Bible here. Let's, 
we're going to jump together. I believe it's Joshua. We see in it's Joshua chapter 6, 7. Yep. Joshua 6 in chapter 7. We see that God the Father, he knows what's being done. He knows. And, and he's able to... The sin, so Achan hides this, this, some, um, treasure that the Lord said, do not take. Um, and uh, this is right after the amazing battle of Jericho. And yet God knew the heart. He knew the actions and he saw what was done. And we see the same thing here in Mark where God knows the actions. He sees what's being done and he's able to tell right at the heart of what's going down. So, I mean, glory be to God that our God is awesome. And there's two good examples going over from, you see that in Joshua chapter 6 and 7, we're in Mark 12, and both of them show the capability of God, Old and New Testament, Father and Son, to be able to see what is really being done and be able to measure the motives and throughout all of it. Now, moving forward, we're able to see that God, the in the New Testament, it's just like the Old Testament, and to be able to define what is what is good and what is bad, and what I mean by that is, if you just I, I, I'm not going to go to it. I just want to say, just read Book of Job. Job hits so much of science, and yet we can see here in Mark seven the clinical psychology over and the of the understanding that God the Father has with His creation that He's made, being man. He's able to understand what sin has done to us, and he's able to define that. So what we're able to see is an all-knowing God, which we see in Job. We Now we see here in Mark 7. And so now let's just read it. After he called the crowd to him again, he began saying to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside of man which can defile him if it goes into him. But the things which proceed out of the man are what defile the man. If anyone has ears, let him hear. When he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples questioned him about the parable. And he said to them, Are you so lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him? Because it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach, and is eliminated. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he was saying that which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. From, for from within, out of the heart of man proceeds the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulterers, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all these all these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. So what we're able to see right here is that the people who think like, oh, sin comes from the outside. Nonsense. Sin comes from the inside. And God understood this. So what we see here is Jesus is showing his capacity to understand man. And he is able to understand and show that to us. He has the power to, to actually show that, hey, I'm not, I, I can explain this to you because I am God. I am God. I created man. I can explain to you how sin has made man bad. How sin has corrupted man. 
this and these are probably not the, the verses that you were expecting to hear today but i'm here to explain that guys the, these are all showing the power and the authority of jesus as god the father the, this is showing his authority and what we're about ready to see here is the perfect unity of the the family that god has made in marriage and, and that he had designed well we're going to see that because of sin coming in god's got a, a whole analysis on this as well. But before that, let's go to our Blessed Hope Podcast Bible verse of the day. I'm excited for this. Today's podcast Bible verse is Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And that was our Blessed Hope podcast Bible verse of the day. I love it, love it, love it, love it. Absolutely love them. But... Back to what I was saying, God the Father is created, and God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the the Trinity, God created the marriage. As we go back to Genesis, uh, you you clearly see that. God created it for man, one man, one woman, to live together. However, in doing so, the marriage, uh, leaving your, your, your father and your mother and cleaving to your wife and vice versa, because sin had entered the world, we see that there would be some who would agree and some who would disagree. And what we're about ready to see here is God is showing us his strategic plan in that he, he's not, when he came to earth in, in, in the flesh, he came here to divide and to take what was his, which is those who will believe in him. So Luke chapter 12, and I'm going to describe why this is so important afterward. Let's read it, and we'll go from there. Luke chapter 12, verses 49 through 53. Christ divides men. It's the title of it. I have come to cast fire upon the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to grant peace on earth? I tell you, no, but rather division. For from now on, five members in one household will be divided. Three against two and two against three. They will be divided. Father against son and son against father. Mother against daughter. Daughter against mother. mother Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. And daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Okay. This is just showing the authority that God has to understand what his word is going to do. The, we're, we're looking at this authority and we're looking at the characteristics of God the Father and and how you see it through God the Son being played out in Old Testament and through to the New Testament. The same thing was happening right here when it came to the Israelites. Some would follow and some would not. And God, there was always that remnant that he would take. And, and through hell or high water, it was going down the way God wanted it to happen. And we, as we see in the New Testament, it's the same thing. But And you can see that as the people who do follow the Lord, that he is there to help them. Just like in Joshua, where he says, be strong in the first chapter of Joshua. Be strong and of courage. We see in the first 
chapter in Haggai. Be strong and take courage. I mean, this the same thing right there. We can see it all through Psalms. We can see it all through 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, Chronicles. We go through the whole gambit. Be strong and take courage. The Lord is with you. Well, we can see right here in Luke chapter 6, it's the same thing. Why do you call, or this is verse chapter 6, verse 46 through 49. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what do what I, or do not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been built well built. The one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation and the torrent burst against it and immediately it collapsed. And the ruin of that house was great. Guys, what we're able to see right here is God is acting in the same way as he did in the Old Testament with pouring into the life of the individual who wants to be with him. He's loving and building and, 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 and edifying them and holding them up. So when people see them, they go, whoa, who is like that person? God is there for them and loves them. No one can stand against them. No one can do that. And, and it is one of those unique things that we see throughout all the scripture is that. And I, I can't stress it enough how awesome that is. Now, I could not, this next part, I could not describe enough how much God, the, we, we, there are so many stories of Jesus healing people. Yeah, this one really came out to me because, because we see how much he loves to take care of us, how much he loves to be there for us. I mean, it goes right back to what we were just talking about in Luke, but we see it here in Mark chapter seven. So let's jump into And I just want to point out, he's not conceited at all. Jesus was not about being conceited. He was open when he needed to be open and he's quiet when he needed to be quiet. We see the same with God, the father in the old Testament. He would whisper when he needed to whisper and he was very loud when he needed to be loud. Same thing goes here. So Mark chapter 7, verse 32 through 37. They brought to him one who was deaf and spoke with difficulty, and they implored him to lay his hands on him. Jesus took him aside from the crowd by himself and put his fingers into his ears. And after spitting, he touched his tongue with the saliva. And looking up to the heaven with a deep sigh, he said to him, Ephetiah. I hope that's correct. <laughs> that is, be open. And his ears were open and the impedent of his tongue was removed and he began speaking plainly and he gave them orders not to tell anyone but the more he ordered them the more widely they continued to proclaim it they were utterly astonished saying he has done all these things he makes even the deaf to hear and the mute to speak guys gals this is 100 percent him not caring about getting the the praise right now. He's being humble. He doesn't want the world to know. And yet, uh, he, there are times that he's going to be out there and open. Jesus was. And there are times he's quiet, just like in the Old Testament. These characteristics are of just God. He is who he is, when he wants to be, and how he wants to be. How cool is that? Yeah, the, the next one here that, we, that we're going to discuss real quick is we see in the Old Testament time and time again. 
They're pointing to the ultimate sacrifice needing to come. And yet we see it in the New Testament finally fulfilled. And it was fulfilled permanently, only needing to be done once. And that is what is so unique here. So let's jump into it. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 8 through 10. After saying above, sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Amen. Amen. Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of the old law. That he, that everything, there was not a change, it was all fulfilled. Everything was desired through together. So what we have in the Old Testament is fulfilled in the New Testament. How Christ and God and the Spirit acted in the Old Testament is there in the New Testament. Nothing's changing. Nothing is changing. Anyone who claims otherwise, either A, has never read the Bible, or B, that they just don't clearly understand it, in which case the argument can be made they might not be saved or they have not dug enough into it and, and, and listened to the Lord to be able to have it been revealed to them and let them be taught. So I, I want to end this episode really hammering this point that our God is not a God who is changing based off of anything other than when he wants to show something new, he will reveal it. The great mystery of the church and, and the rapture, it, that, that's something that, that is unique. And, 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 and then when, so when there is a change, when there's something that happens that God decides to reveal to us, well, we can see that he'll say, hey, I'm revealing this to you now. But does it ever change his character? No. Does it ever change any of his other pre- his other uh, um, ideas, actions, and principles. No. It, 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 will it ever change who he is as God in his power? No. Will it ever change anything that we can understand in him? Well, yes. Yes, it can. Just because we're revealed something new does not mean that it changes me. Or change, or sorry, that that would change his God. An example for myself is, I'm, I'm my name's JL. But if I told you, I'm from Texas and I've lived in Montana, does that change anything about me? No. But now you know that I've lived in those two places. And if I told you I've been to Timbuktu, does that change anything about me? No. But I now you know I've been to Timbuktu. Same type of thing. God does not change. He reveals what he wants to us. And that's why we have this holy word. We have this scripture so that we are able to see that. And we need to be so thankful for the Old and New Testament. It's funny. You could tell the type of Christian and the issues that they have sometimes based off of that. If you have believers that are so focused on the Old Testament, I, I, I would, I not always, but you can typically say, they are going to be more focused on the law and they're going to be focused on that hardship and the, 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 the and they're going to have this idea that God is hard. God is hard. Whereas the people who never look at the Old Testament, only look at the New Testament, they look at Jesus and they go, oh, he's a God of love. He's a God of love. And, and I find it funny because there's so much of God being a God of love in the Old Testament. And there's so much of 
God in the New Testament of being a harsh God where he's going, no, this is not how it's going down. I mean, all you got to do is read Revelation. Pfft, yeah, yeah, it's it's going down. All you got to do is read some of the stuff of the, the discussions between the Pharisees and Jesus and John. I mean, oh my goodness, there are moments Jesus is throwing down. He, he he's running around with a whip at a time and cleaning up the temple. He's beating them. I mean, this is not a God that you would think of that has been portrayed to us in the New Testament by the world, by the media. This is a real living, breathing God who has actions that have been consistently throughout all of time. And yet it has been portrayed and lied to us that it's a different God, that, oh, he's different now. He, he doesn't care about all those nasty things that you want to do in your life. Oh, no, that God's gone. No, 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 no. He's still very much there and he wants it to be cleaned. He wants you to be saved and sanctified in him. But that can only happen in him. That can only happen through the blood of the lamb, through Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can do it. No one else can. We can go back to the Old Testament and we can see that plain and clearly. Read Haggai chapter 1 and 2. You can see that plain and clearly. God is all about wanting to clean you up. He knows that you cannot clean yourself up. He's got to do it. For he is faithful and just to do a good work in us. Not JL is faithful and just to be able to do it because God wants him to. Nonsense. I can't do it. He's going to have to do it. He's got to carry me across that finish line. I can't do it. But glory be to God, what a race it'll be. If he's carrying me, I can guarantee you I'm going to make it. And I make it on good timing. Real good timing. But with that said, I want to end hitting one thing from a famous author who kind of had something what he stated about Jesus. So with that said, we're going to do our closing remarks and we'll go from there. And before we end, this is the Blessed Hope Podcast. I'm your host, JL. I, I want to end stating one last thing. Next week is our final episode for this season. That does not mean that we're done. Not at all. We're prepping more episodes. We'll be picking up in January. Yet, before we end, I want you to know that we're, we're, we're prepping hardcore. We got a couple big things and big surprises that are going to be coming out. Things that you are going to want to hear about. So please be back with us next week. I want to end today's episode, though, on a wonderful quote by a man who is well known for his writings and his own imagination. But I like his, his comment here about an imagination. I think that's the best way to put it. So I'm, I'll, let's just read it and we'll go from there. It takes a fantastic will to unbelief to suppose that Jesus never really happened and more to suppose that he did not say the things recorded of him so incapable of being invented by anyone in the world at that time, such as before Abraham came to be, I am. He that hath seen me hath seen the Father, or the promulgation of the blessed sacrament of John. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life. We must therefore either believe in him and in what he has said and take the consequences or reject him and take the consequences. So what we're seeing here is so basically this author is say, stating you got to have an amazing 
imagination and a fantastic unbelief to even think that Jesus was not really who he was and what he said to do. But in the end, it comes down to either you a accept that he was who he was or B, you accept that he that he wasn't who he was and you have to deal with the consequences either way. That really is what it comes down to. The author there is J.R.R. Tolkien, the creator of Middle Earth, Lord of the Rings, and all things that I love. <laughs> but he really hit it right on the head, guys. Everything we've been talking about in the previous episode and today's episode, God is God. He has not changed. He will not change. Revelation, go back to uh, chapter 1, verse 8. I'm the Alpha, the Omega. Who was, who or who was, who is, and who, who will be, the Almighty. He is going to be. So next week we are going to be discussing what he is going to be, what he is doing right now. I have drafted a couple people, a whole bunch of people actually, and what they, who Jesus is to them, and we got a whole bunch of testimonies we're going to do. And not just, I, I've got a whole bunch of stuff. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be a little different than a normal episode. So stick around with us. Nevertheless, know that our God is great. Our God is good. But if you don't know him, well, then you got nothing. As Tolkien stated, I mean, you have to suffer the consequences. So I, I would beg you to listen to his the, to that advice and do not reject him. And if right now you're not saved and you're wanting to be saved, and it's simple. We need to acknowledge our, our sin. We need to believe that Jesus Christ died. He, he lived a perfect life. He was the Son of God. He, he died and rose again for our sins and is there to protect us now and, and to sanctify us and to love us and to, to hold us in his arms and, and, and to make us pure and holy. And so it's just a simple prayer. And it's just acknowledging, believing, and confessing. That's it. A, the ABC. So with that, just, just pray this prayer. Just, Father, oh God, Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I believe that you died and rose again for me. I believe that you lived that perfect life and that you were that ultimate sacrifice, Lord. And I praise you and I thank you for it. And I ask that you would come into my life and change me and mold me into who you'd want me to be. Oh, Lord, please, I ask this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. And if you did pray that prayer, please get a hold of us. We'd love to be able to help you out and get you out the door running as fast as you can to Christ. And, and we don't want to just let you stumble around as a new believer. No, 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 no. Please get a hold of us at the Blessed Old Podcast at gmail.com or at John Luke T on Twitter. But yet... If you are a believer already, this still has implications for you. Read the Old Testament, read the New Testament, and know that the God in both of them is the same God. Same rules apply. You need him. He must change you. There is nothing about it. Bend the knee to his will. Follow what he wants you to do. And see that his yoke is light. I know it doesn't make sense to the outside world, but that's okay. Bending to him and allowing him to be master of us is actually real freedom. And does it make sense to the outside world? Because it's not for them. It's for us, the believer. Glory be to God. 
But with that said, I'm your host, JL. This is the Blessed O Podcast. I'm so excited to go over next week's episode. So if you're wondering about this whole thing going, how can I bend to his will? What will he do? Well, guys, gals, I've got a whole bunch of stuff to show you next week to explain and give you real life testimony on how much he has done for the believer. But just remember this, our God who was and is and will to come loves you and is there for you. So I think for like the last, last, last time, this is the Blessed Hope Podcast. I'm your host, JL, and we'll see you guys next week. Remember, if you ever want to reach out to the Blessed Hope Podcast, you can. All you have to do is email the Blessed Hope Podcast at gmail.com, the Blessed Hope Podcast at gmail.com. This is your area to send us comments, concerns, questions, or maybe you just want to say hi. You can also follow us on Twitter for daily updates at John Luke T, at John Luke T. And with that said, let's get back to the episode.